Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. My brothers, my sisters, we're continuing our series of conversations with Hall of Famers. And this week, we got a real special one. Check this out. This is WWE Hall of Famer JBL, and you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. That's right. JBL. My goodness. Before we get to that, pause for the cause. Have you subscribed to the Panera Bread Unlimited Sip Club? Folks, what are you waiting on here? We're talking $8.99 a month, so you can grab yourself a drink once every two hours. It is fantastic. And let me tell you something. They've expanded the Unlimited Sip Club. So not only can you get your hot or iced coffee or your hot or iced tea, now you can get the fountain drink. So if you want to grab yourself a soda or check this out. Okay, we are talking about the charged lemonades. Strawberry lemon mint, Fuji apple cranberry, or the mango yuzu citrus. Okay, these are clean energy drinks, folks. Okay, we're talking about guarana and green coffee extract. Gives you a nice little boost. It certainly keeps me charged up to deliver the best episodes of Duke Loves Wrestling for you. So what are you waiting on? Visit your local Panera Bread or go to PaneraBread.com. Sign up for the Unlimited Sip Club. Enjoy. You're locked in. This is what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. WWE Hall of Famer John Bradshaw Layfield. Welcome to Duke Loves Wrestling. And I'll tell you, you know, first and foremost, congratulations. I was talking to my friends over at the Cauliflower Alley Club. And at this year's reunion, which takes place September 26th through September 28th, you're going to be honored with the Iron Mike Mazurki Award. So cool. So fantastic. And I encourage everybody, definitely check out uh, caulifloweralleyclub.org for more information. You can grab tickets to be part of uh, this year's festivities, which are taking place at the Plaza Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. But JBL, tell me, how does it feel to be honored in, in all these different ways here? I mean, you got the WWE Hall of Fame. Now the Cauliflower Alley Club is honoring you. How does it feel, especially with something like the CAC? Because these are your peers who are honoring you here. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's very humbling. I, I, I never got into wrestling to get rich or to be famous. or I, I got in because I love the business. And I was in it for a long time, and I still am. And I still love the business. And so when you know you get an award like this, you know, and you look at who has gone in this Hall of Fame, it's just it's overwhelming to me. You know, I'm you know sometimes I wonder if they didn't make a mistake, including me, with some of the names that that are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I'm very honored to be in there, but uh, I also realize that there are some terrific people that are in this Hall of Fame, and I'm going to be happy just to go and uh, have my name mentioned alongside them, and and even more importantly to me. Uh, my good friend James Beard is going to be inducted me. James has meant so much to me personally and professionally that it's going to be really cool for uh, James to induct me. 
Well, really cool indeed. And shout out to James Beard, certainly a great friend of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. And, you know, it's funny, JBL, I, I had Booker T on the show a couple weeks back. And one of the the things that we discussed and that I really pointed out is the fact that Booker never forgot where he came from. He always talks about the people who helped him along the journey, you know, help him get to where he is today. And when I think about JBL, you are absolutely the same. You know, for so many years, you've continued to highlight James Beard and, and many others who have been there for you and have helped you achieve your success. Uh, you've been a loyal friend to these folks the same way they've been a loyal friend to you. Where does that come from? I mean, why is it so important for you to emphasize, to highlight, to celebrate the people who have been there for you through the years? Ah, because we don't get caught up in the hype. I realize that it's not a bit. You know, it's we were there, we're there because people helped us. You know, Booker understands that too. Booker's one of the greatest tag teams of all time, one of the greatest singles wrestlers of all time. I'm so proud of Booker. You know, he's just a a fine man, and he's had so much success. He's doing great with his reality of wrestling. I just I could not be more proud of of Booker and seeing how he turned out and both his wrestling and as just as a as a gentleman. Uh, he and Charmel, just a wonderful family. But we're there because people helped us. James Beard helped me. I mean, I wouldn't be here today if talking to you if James hadn't been so kind, so knowledgeable, and so willing to help a young guy. You know, Bob Orton helped me. Skandar Akbar helped me. There were so many guys that that helped me along the way. Every single step that, uh, you know, I, I stand on their shoulders now because they were willing to help me. And I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. I'll never think that it was about me. It's not about me. It's about them. You know, I love telling the story of being a young person in grade school and rushing home from school to get my chores done, get my homework done, because I needed to watch the stars of Global Wrestling Federation, which would come on on ESPN at the time. And, you know, you see guys like the Ebony Experience, Booker T and Stevie Ray. Alex the Pug Porto, Tug Taylor, Chaz. You know, we talk about James Beard, Hollywood John Tatum, which to this day, I swear he was a kung fu master with the way that he would get it done in the rig there. He was so hilarious. Uh, and, and another guy by the name of John Hawk. Does that ring a bell to you, the name John Hawk? It does ring a bell. I, I got the name John Hawk. I, my, one of my first matches I ever worked with was for Killer Tim Brooks who another guy who was so kind to me and helped me tremendously great worker, man. Killer was killer was, uh, I don't know if he's underrated cause everybody knows him knows how great he was, but there was some guy there named Ethan Hawk and killer says, you look like his cousin, you're John Hawk. And so that's, I never saw this guy again, whoever it was, uh, I never, never saw him one more time in my life, but that's, that's how I got the name. My goodness. Killer Tim Brooks. Talk about a blast from the past. What a, what a wonderful name and, and a legend there. Uh, Global Wrestling Federation. I want to stick on this for a second here because this was a nationally syndicated show. In fact, it was internationally syndicated. You know, it was it was shown all over the place there on uh, VHS tapes. You guys were getting those tapes out there, and it's funny because growing up, you know, we were fortunate to have cable, so I got to see pro wrestling from all over, and of course, WWF. I got to see. 
the NWA, which eventually transitioned into being known as WCW, bunch of other promotions, ICW here out of Boston and what have you here. But it's interesting that because Global Wrestling Federation had full syndication all over the place, you folks were just as big a TV stars, just as big a wrestling stars to me as anyone in the WWF or or the uh, NWA. Did you personally, did you know that Global was as big as it was and that you were experiencing as big of an opportunity as it was? Because again, you're on nationally syndicated TV in the early 90s. I mean, that's just, it's unheard of for someone who wasn't in one of the major two promotions there, NWA slash WCW or what we would now call WWE. Did you realize how big that opportunity was in Global? No, I don't think so. You know, I, we were working all the time, you know, and, and I'm not sure how big it was. I don't know how many people watch the, the ESPN uh, broadcast. You know, I think it was middle of the day, uh, but it had a decent, I think it had a decent following, I, but we didn't know, you know, we were working, we were trying to make it. I was going to Japan a lot with James Beard. And so I wasn't really in the loop of, you know, who's get, getting feedback from anything. I never got the dirt sheets, uh, and back then there wasn't an internet. So there wasn't a lot of feedback from people of, you know, what was getting over from different parts of the country. So to, uh, to us, we didn't, I don't know if we knew anybody was watching it because there wasn't feedback, you know, there wasn't feedback from the networks. There wasn't feedback from fans. There wasn't just a ton of feedback. The fans we saw were the fans in Texas and they mainly saw us live. So there just wasn't a ton of feedback from you know, people are watching you all over the country. We're talking to WWE Hall of Famer JBL here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. You know, JBL, when you eventually got the call to go up and work for the WWE, you were a pretty young guy. I mean, legitimately, you were still, you know, with mid-20s when you got that call there. And it's funny because you you put the story in your book, and I know James Beard loves to talk about this story as well. James had to uh, pack up your apartment <laughs> and and bring it to you because you basically just got in the car and went once you got that call, man, which is pretty fun. But I, I wonder about something because, you were, again, you were such a young guy when you made it into the WWE. Looking back on it now, were you ready for that type of opportunity? Because although you were in Global Wrestling Federation, which is nationally syndicated, internationally syndicated, it was its own entity. Uh, the scale was nowhere near what the WWE was, what we call the WWF at the time. So the young Justin Hawk Bradshaw is what they brought you in as. Were you ready for that opportunity at the time? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I was ready to be part of the company. I wasn't ready to get a push. You know, I'd wrestled a lot of places. Uh, I'd wrestled, I'd been in Europe for two years working for Audubon and Peter William or with some great, great workers over there from, uh, fit Finley. Who's I think one of the greatest of all time, Tony St. Clair, uh, Franz Schumann was a tremendous baby face. Luke Poyer's wrestled as Rambo, Gustel Smeasel. I mean, there was just so many great, uh, characters and talent that, that were there. And I got to wrestle in Japan was you know, from, from tin roots to tagging with Bob Orton, I, I'd, I'd gotten to do a lot of things in a very short period of time. That being said, I was overwhelmed by the WWE product. I mean, I, I remember st- sitting there backstage WrestleMania, I think it was 12 
uh, get my dates wrong, you know, just from all the WrestleManias blend together. But when Shawn Michaels repelled from the ceiling against Bret Hart, and I remember just looking at that thinking, I don't belong in this company. I, I just thought that spectacle was so grand. And I, I was overwhelmed. I think I was physically, I had the tools to be there. I'm not sure mentally that I had the ability to be there and get a push. I think if I'd have got a push, it probably wouldn't have gone very well early. You went through a number of gimmicks in the WWE, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, you know, you were part of the uh, new Blackjacks with Barry Windham. Eventually, you were part of the Acolytes, which turned into the APA. So that, that wonderful tag team with Ron Simmons and shout out to Ron Simmons. He was recently on the show here at Duke Loves Wrestling as well. Uh, but then you became JBL. You put that cowboy hat on. You started doing that two-step, and brother, you were off to the races. So I, I wonder about this, though. When you look back on all of these gimmicks that you've had in the WWE in particular, which of these gimmicks were the closest to who you actually are as a person? I mean, because a lot of people wonder, it, it, was a JBL character the closest to who you are as a person, or was it something else? No, I wasn't closer. Uh, APA was much closer. I, I look again, I had great influences. You mentioned Hollywood, John Tatum, man, that guy, that guy was an unbelievable worker. That guy could do anything in the ring. There was so much talent that I got to work with and I got to tag with Barry Windham. I got to ride the roads with uh, Dutch Mantel, uh, who's just one of the best minds in the history of the business. And I got the tag team with Ron Simmons, first black heavyweight champion. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine having better people all along the way, uh, in my career. And so when I got that chance, I had so much experience to call on because I'd been around so many great legends who, who were so kind in sharing with me knowledge of you know how to get over, how to conduct yourself and all the things that, that go into the product. So it's, I'm a product of being around wonderful people. And again, here you are, uh, putting people over who were there for you that you were able to learn from who helped you get to where you are today, you know, such a stellar career hall of fame about to be uh, honored by the cauliflower alley club, which is fantastic as well. It's interesting because you were so good at being a bad guy, someone that the fans love to hate. When people learn about who the man is behind the character, because here's the thing. I mean, you know, talking to James Beard, you know, you and him are such great friends. There's a lot of trust, a lot of, of, of respect between the two of you. I know that your families have gone to church together. Um, James always talks about just the, the quality of human being that you are. We know that uh, you've allowed information to come out of just about all of the uh, the philanthropy around the world that you've done and, and what have you here. I mean, just a really, really interesting person that is a the complete opposite of what that JBL character, what you would assume that a person like that would be. Talk to me more about this. Talk to me about the philanthropy and just some of the things that JBL, the actual guy, has been involved in. Um, you know, I, I work with some wonderful people that do incredible work uh, with, with kids in low-income areas. And you know, those guys are, I mean, there's some rock stars, man. I work with uh, two young guys who run an incredible program in Memphis, Memphis inner city rugby, sh uh, sh Shane Young and Devin O'Brien. And they just do incredible work. hundred percent of their kids graduate high school. hundred percent of their kids are going to either 
college, military, or trade school or getting placed after high school. They have a pathway program where they follow these kids into young adulthood. I've been able to work with Gareth Noakes, who's CEO now of Bubasi Pride, and helped him uh, when he built a school uh, and sports facility down in Malawi in East Africa. They've got several programs down there. But I've been able to work with some wonderful people. So I, I don't know the response of, hey, that's JBL. It's helped open some doors. There's no doubt about that. We've got I got a field in Bermuda because – the sports minister was uh, a WWE fan. So yeah, it has opened doors and WWE has been so philanthropic around the world, has such a wonderful name that that name has really allowed me to do some things that I really wanted to do. Well, speaking of which, you know, I did my research here and I'm hearing that uh, you've been out there on the golf course working on that handicap here. So talk to me a little bit about uh, JBL and his foray into the sport of golf. I work on the golf all the time. I <laughs> hadn't done any good. I've worked on golf for years. I, I was pretty good about uh, eight or 10 years ago. And, you know, my body's just kind of falling apart. I'm bad shoulder, bad back. So uh, sometimes I play pretty well. Sometimes I, I enjoy being out. I enjoy going out, carrying my clubs and walking 18 holes. I just enjoy the, the beauty of being out. And I enjoy competing against the golf course. I mean, it really competition is really something I enjoy and I enjoy competing against the golf course. It's a lot of fun to me, but I'm not very good. Well, listen, man, if, if you're not very good, then I'm the worst ever, because I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I've broken many a club trying to uh, live out my Tiger Woods dreams and it just ain't happening on the golf course. That's for sure. Golf is one of those sports that no matter how big or how strong or how tough you are, it will humble you real quick. It is a game of skill 100%, and, and the crazy part about it is you could be fantastic today and completely be terrible tomorrow. So it's a, it really is a, a, a game that will humble you real quick and teach you how to be more patient, which is why I enjoy watching it. I enjoy playing it, playing the video games, what have you, but I'm with you, brother. I, I am terrible at that game, still chipping away at it. But uh, you're a guy who you have a football background. And then you transitioned into pro wrestling. So you're a, I mean, you're a giant, you know, let's call it what it is here. So now you're working on this golf game, which is so interesting there. It, it, this is the sport for you nowadays, huh? Yeah, well, I'm 55 and uh, beat up and had a ton of surgeries. And so there's not much I can do other than golf. You know, there's not many sports for, for old guys. You know, I'm not going to play basketball. You know, I don't have the uh, athletic ability anymore to be out on the court without having surgery. So Golf is uh, one thing that I can go out and play and uh, compete against myself. And I, I enjoy carrying my clubs and walking 18 holes. For me, it's great exercise, and I just enjoy being outdoors. And uh, I, I love uh, also competing as other guys, putting a little money on the on the game. It's, it's a little extra fun to me. There we go. Stakes is high right there. If you get on the golf course with JBL, you better make sure you bring your wallet with you. My goodness, sir. I wonder – you're a guy that is celebrated for your intelligence. I mean, you you know you are on Fox Business News. You have those shows there. You're, you're doing your podcasting. You've always been known as a great communicator, which is why you get a lot of speaking gigs. Uh, you're no one's fool, despite the fact that you're an accomplished athlete. You know, you played football throughout your your life at a high level. If I'm not mistaken, you even made it to the NFL at one point. Uh, certainly you're a Hall of Famer in pro wrestling. So you're a jock. JBL is definitely a jock, but JBL is also a brain. And 
this is counter to what we were always taught to believe, where if someone excels in sports, especially if they're a big hulking person, then they must be just a dumb jock. And they may not necessarily have it upstairs, but you certainly and and many of your peers have kind of broken the mold in that and, and shown that, you know, jocks can have it all together uh, mentally as well and be able to excel in other arenas that have nothing to do with their strength or ability to score a touchdown or how many body slams they can give and take and what have you. What's your take on that? What's your take on the evolution of the jock to where, you know, the jock can be like a hybrid nerd at the same time there? Yeah, and I think that's changed a lot over the years. You know, back when I started, uh, you know, wrestlers were considered uh, wrestlers. You know, they didn't, they didn't really, there wasn't a, a rock or a John Cena or somebody that really transcended the genre and gone on to have a ton of success. And now you see it everywhere. Now people look at, I think, wrestlers completely different than they, well, I know they do, than they did 30 years ago when, the, when uh, it was just kind of considered, a, I don't know what it was considered, a niche entertainment genre i guess you know but it's changed so as athletes you know lebron james is a billion worth a billion dollars now these guys they realize how smart these guys are Uh, they're no different from anybody else as far as brain power you're going to have some terrifically smart athletes you're going to have some real dumb ones just like just like you do anywhere else and so i've just enjoyed i've enjoyed business i worked on wall street for a few years and i've enjoyed the podcast i do with gerald briscoe we have a lot of fun Gerald Briscoe is as good a man as there is on the planet. He's a dear friend of mine. He hired me about uh, 25, 27 years ago, whatever it was. And we have a lot of fun getting our friends on the podcast and just telling old stories, telling old stories that hopefully a lot of people don't know and telling it in a way where they're talking uh, to contemporaries. And certainly, like you mentioned, your podcast there, Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw, can be heard on all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, you name it, folks. But we go back to the consistent theme of you honoring those who came before you, you honoring those who've helped you along the way. It's just really, really cool. Now that you're the elder statesman, so to speak, when you go back and you're in the locker rooms and places and what have you, do you find that this next generation of wrestler, these young folks here, are they as respectful of the legends? Are they as respectful of the elders as guys like yourself and Booker and people from your generation? Yeah, I don't really know because I'm not around them that much. From what I've seen, yeah, they're very respectful. I mean, the, the, this crew, I, I go in there, you know, for about every other paper you I go to the pre-show uh, with Booker T and, and uh, Peter Rosenberg and, and the whole crew that WWE has. And you know, guys come by always and say hello, just like we did to the to the old guys when we were in their position. You know, the you know some incredible stars. So I see wonderful respect coming out of out of these guys. I've had a terrific uh, time, and it's been incredible dealing with the current superstars because, in my opinion, they're, they're very respectful. Well, that's wonderful to hear, and certainly shout out to the current generation of pro wrestlers out there, including those in the WWE. Uh, who JBL has spent some time with and can share his perspective and interacting with you folks. It's great to hear that you respect those who've come before you and are keeping this thing going because that's really what it's all about. You cannot understand where you are. You cannot understand where you're going if you don't understand your history and respect your history. 
So that's good stuff there. That's good stuff. You know, JBO, I'm going to ask you a question that you've probably never been asked before. And this is fun because I go back to the JBL character, the cowboy hat, the cowboy boots, the two-step, country music. I want to know about uh, your connection to country music. So let me ask you this question in an interesting way here. If we were to put together a soundtrack for your career, especially in pro wrestling, what are a couple of songs or a couple of artists that would be on this soundtrack? I mean, give us a little taste of something here. The JBL story, what music are we hearing, especially as it relates to country music? Wow, that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the old guys, of, of Merle. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, George Jones. I'm, but, I, you know, I love the guys today, too. I'm good friends with Mark Wills and, and Daryl Worley, who I think just have terrific voices and terrific careers. Been to Iraq and Afghanistan with them several times. Uh, so that's a wonderful – you know, Garth Brooks is a guy that I still listen to all the time. I think he just got – I saw him one time, not in person, on a TV where he was in Ireland. They had a stadium sold out, you know, 60,000 people, whatever it was. And he gets down at one point and gets on a pedestal without – his guitar without his band and he sings acapella just an, uh, an old irish song and the whole place went ballistic and i thought who in the world could do something like that you know there's a lot of stars out there that are that good but th- that's a level that most never achieve and, and i just i'm a big fan of of what garth brooks has done i wish he would perform more I wish he'd come back and do some albums, but I love country music. I just love everything about it. I got to see Charlie Pride sing Kalijah one time. I was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, and I thought I could die today. This, this <laughs> life, life has just reached its apex. Well, I'll tell you right now, brother, any soundtrack that has George Jones and Charlie Pride on it, that's a hell of a soundtrack. You know you're in for uh, some good music there. Merle, the whole the whole crew there that you named, that's that's good stuff there. That's classic for sure. Uh, listen, JBL, do you have anything to plug, You know, whether it be website, social media, anything like that? No. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like social media. I don't uh, – I do it, uh, you know, because it's uh, part of, uh, you know, what we do today. Uh, if it wasn't for – having a podcast and having charities that I need to raise awareness for. I'd never do ever do social media, anything, but, uh, just the podcast, Gerald Briscoe and I stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. We have a lot of fun, uh, have a lot of old guys on that, uh, pretty legendary status and and telling stories that a lot of people haven't heard. We it's, uh, to us, that's one of the most fun things we do every week. You come from a generation that was very serious about protecting the business and, and not giving away too much and, dealing with things internally and all that good stuff there. And at the same time, you have the dirt sheets, right? You have this this wrestling media that even to this day leans heavily towards rumors as opposed to getting on the record quotes and, and focusing on facts. It's always a source to say and all this other stuff here, which, you know, unfortunately, some people take advantage of that and they start adding their opinion and trying to present it as fact, which can muck a lot of things up. We have a lot of folks who listen to the show who are aspiring to be connected to the wrestling industry beyond just watching and being a fan. They may not necessarily end up being wrestlers, but they want to be commentators. They want to be announcers. They may want to be part of wrestling media. 
Do you have any advice for that segment of the population within the wrestling community, within the wrestling fan community, the folks that want to cover the sport? Do you have any uh, advice or, or any take on that for them? You know, I, I, I would have no idea. I, I don't I don't read the dirt sheets that just because, you know, I, I just I never got in the habit of doing it. And uh, so and I when I watch wrestling, I just want to I don't want to I don't really care what's going on behind the scenes. It's like when I watch Walking Dead, I don't want to know what's happening. I just want to watch, see who's getting eaten and, and see who survives. You know, it's to me, it's to me, it takes away from fun for me personally. These guys all have a right to be there. I have no problem. Uh, with the dirt sheets. I wish they weren't so negative, but that's, that's the world we're in. That's not just wrestling. That's the world we're in. You look at any type of news. I, I never watch any type of uh, what I call opinion news. I watch, you know, some type of business channel every day and uh, that's about it. So I, because everything is so negative, I wish these guys weren't negative, but if you're not negative, you're not getting clicks. You're not getting eyes on your product. So I understand why they are, but that's why I don't want to have uh, much to do with it. I just life too short to, to be negative. That's why I'm not a big fan of social media either. Cause people just, <laughs> people end up calling each other uh, racist and Hitler and everything else after about three or four sentences. So it's, it's not, I don't, I don't enjoy that. And life's too short to, to do that. So to the wrestling journalists out there, look, I don't know where they get their information. Uh, so I would have no idea advice how to give somebody uh, advice to be it. They have a right to be there, and you know if they're making money, good for them. That is as measured and fair a response about the dirt sheets as I ever heard anyone in the wrestling industry give. So that's that's all stuff there. Listen, JBO. Once again, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the Duclos Wrestling Podcast. Everyone listening, a reminder. The 2022 Cauliflower Alley Club reunion. Again, that's going to be September 26th through September 28th, 2022. Okay, the Plaza Hotel and Casino, Las Vegas, Nevada. JBL is going to be honored and inducted by James Beard. Okay, JBL is going to be the recipient of the Iron Mike Mazurki Award. So fantastic. Definitely an honor that is well-earned. Certainly, you're already in the WWE Hall of Fame. You're working on your your golf uh, game there, and you don't have a problem with the dirt sheets. I mean, my goodness, this this may be the JBL babyface turn here, man. (laughs) Again, thank you for joining us on Duke Loves Wrestling. Hey, it's a pleasure meeting you, and uh, James Beard recommended you. as, As I always say, any friend of James Beard is a friend of mine, so thank you. I'm Harry Burkett, senior writer with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I'm Kevin McElbaney, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Folks, as always, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.